You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. This scroll contains the ultimate fulfillment of the will of God in redemption. I'm going to say that again. This scroll contains the ultimate fulfillment of the will of God in redemption. As each of these seals are open, God takes one more step in judging evil. But he does it gradually. Why? Because he wants all men to be saved. The book of Revelation reveals as much about God's judgment as it does about His mercy and grace. To a world that wants to experience the pleasure of sin but isn't willing to take the consequences, this book may sound cruel. But as Pastor Danny explains in today's message, the very fact that God hasn't brought judgment on us is evidence of His patience and compassion. He longs for every man and woman, including you, to come into His redemption. And He's already given us more time than we deserve. Now here's Pastor Danny in Revelation chapter 4 with part 1 of today's message, The Hope of Redemption. Revelation chapter 4, John the Apostle says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I'll show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. John is raptured. We are told... By John that he's raptured in the spirit. So he doesn't go physically into heaven. The apostle Paul told us that he had an experience, whether in the body or out of the body, he wasn't sure, where he also was caught up to paradise, to the third heaven, to the throne room of God. And he saw things and heard things that he couldn't tell. That's what happens to John here. I believe this is one of the scriptures that teach the rapture of the church. We covered the rapture of the church a couple of weeks ago. John is raptured here. He's in heaven. Verse three, and the one who sat there on this throne had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. Ancient Jasper would have been similar to a diamond. Carnelian is a deep, brilliant red. A rainbow resembling resembling an emerald. Emerald was a lively, very lively green. Encircled the throne. So it's it's an amazingly beautiful sight. Amazingly beautiful throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. Seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. We aren't told who the 24 elders are. 
my guess would be 12 patriarchs of the Old Testament, 12 men who became the progenitors of the Israelites, 12 apostles of the New Testament, and it's my belief, I'm putting the bets on 12 patriarchs, 12 apostles. Jesus told the apostles, one day you'll sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. When we get to the end of Revelation chapter 21, the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven from God, from heaven. That city, literal city, literal city has 12 gates. On each of the gates, one name, one of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. The city has 12 foundations of precious stone. And on each of the foundations of the 12 pieces of foundation of the city is the name of one of the apostles. So biblically, you enter salvation through Israel. We have a Jewish Messiah. 12 gates. You can enter from any direction. But only through the Messiah that the apostles were with for three years. He died and they witnessed his resurrection and they began to proclaim he's alive. So 12 patriarchs, we enter through Israel. We have a Jewish Messiah. 12 apostles and our faith rests on their testimony. But let's not get caught up there even though that's interesting biblical stuff. Verse 5. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbling, Peals of thunder. We can appreciate that as Floridians. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. More literally, the sevenfold spirit of God. There aren't seven spirits of God. It's a sevenfold spirit. Mysterious and yet true. Like the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. What are the seven spirits of God? Well, I think Isaiah tells us. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2. First characteristic, the spirit of Jehovah. Or Yahweh. And then wisdom, understanding, counsel, power, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Sevenfold characteristic. Verse 6, also before the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass. Clear as crystal. Moses, Exodus 24, and some of the leaders of Israel had a vision. It says they saw the God of Israel and Under his feet was something like a pavement made of sapphire, clear as the sky itself. Same thing John's seeing here. Ezekiel chapter 1 sees the same vision. And as you read on here, what John sees, also what Ezekiel saw. In the center, middle of verse 6, around the throne were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, second like an ox, third had the face like a man. Fourth was flying like an eagle. The lion, king of the beast, represents majesty. The ox, servant, but a servant with strength. The ox. The man, intelligence. And the eagle, as Americans... That's our national symbol, but it's also a symbol here, transcendence, surpassing. Each of the four living creatures, verse 8, had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy 
is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Now we got to be real technical here, but technically biblical. Chapter 4, John raptured into heaven in the spirit, and yet what he sees is very real. He sees God's throne. And to be very technical, he sees the Father. Now why am I so firm about that? Because of chapter 5. Don't get ahead of me. (laughs) Daniel also in chapter 7 of Daniel sees the father and describes him, calls him the ancient of days. Now he's not old in the sense of how we think of old. He's eternal. No beginning, no end. The father, the ancient of days. And this chapter ends with a declaration of his worthiness to receive glory and honor and power, for he created all things. Now, if I'm going to be very technical, Colossians chapter 1, among other scriptures, tells me that he created through his one and only son. Now we come to chapter 5. John says, then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, the father, the ancient of days, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Various ideas among scholars and commentators as to what this scroll is, but it has all the markings of a will and testament. Now, while there are differences to exactly what it is, we know what it contains, And I saw a mighty angel, verse 2, proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And the next verse tells us that John the apostle knew something of what's contained in this seven seal scroll. Look what happens. John says in verse 4, I wept. And wept. The Greek, they say, is he wept hard, he wept long. He wept and he wept and he wept for a long time because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Pause with me there and let's think about this. John knows enough of what's contained in this scroll to cause him to be so distraught when the question is asked who is worthy and for an undisclosed period of time, nobody is found worthy. And because of that, John weeps hard and he weeps long. We know from the book of Revelation what's contained in the scroll and the seven seals. The remainder of the book of Revelation reveals that this scroll 
contains the ultimate fulfillment of the will of God in redemption. I'm going to say that again. This scroll contains the ultimate fulfillment of the will of God in redemption. As each of these seals are open, God takes one more step in judging evil. But he does it gradually. Why? Because he wants all men to be saved. As a matter of fact, when we get to Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 and 7, something that years ago fascinated me because I was never told this in my teaching as a Christian until I saw it, I always believed that the Great Commission, which we are responsible for, going to all the world and proclaim the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, is the only message anybody can be saved by. There's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. And we're called as Christians, among other things, to tell people about Jesus because it's only through Jesus that they can be saved from the wrath of God. And while it's essential that we take that commission seriously, I came to believe years ago that it's not the church that ultimately fulfills that commission. Jesus, in answering the question by his disciples, what will be the end of the age and the sign of your coming? And he goes through all these things. And he says there in Matthew 24, verse verse 14, this gospel will be proclaimed to all the world, and then the end will come. When we get to Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 and 7, in the period known as the Great Tribulation, a time when things are going to go from bad to worse to cataclysmic, and then Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom. But it's going to be hell, the closest thing to hell on earth before Jesus comes. He said, if those days had not been cut short, nobody would survive. And during that time, Revelation 14, 6 and 7, God sends one final offer of salvation to every nation, tribe, people, and language. Read it right there in chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. He sends an angel. And throughout the world, this angel proclaims the eternal gospel to every single human being. Because God wants all men to be saved. When we get to Revelation 21, God makes new heavens and a new earth. And all those who have said yes to his gracious offer of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, enter into a world and to a life that you can only, oh man, you just can't even get your head around it. We're going to get new bodies. We're going to never die. There's going to be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. Forever and ever and ever and ever. And guess what? There's no more evil because God has dealt with evil. (laughs) Folks, what's contained in this scroll is the ultimate fulfillment of the will of God in the plan of redemption. And that helps us understand a little more why John weeps so hard and so long. Redemption is the main theme of the Bible. It means to buy back. Before Adam and Eve, the first two humans on the planet, could conceive their first child, they disobeyed God. They became sinners. It's called the fall of man. God knew it would happen. God gives the promise in Genesis 3.15 early on. He's going to send a seed of a woman, a person through a woman. Her name is Mary. She's the blessed mother. She conceived the Christ child. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. 
the majority of the Old Testament. That is the message. You see him in Abraham and Isaac, the father, the miracle son, offer him up on Mount Moriah, which is where Calvary was. The whole Old Testament sacrificial system was meant to teach that the only sacrifice that's sufficient, none of these bulls and goats and lambs, no, there's another one coming, the Lamb of God. The Psalms are full of specific prophecies about him. Micah, the prophet, told us exactly where he's going to be born, Bethlehem. And then John the Baptist comes on the scene marking the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, and he points to the world, points the world to the Messiah. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Romans chapter 8 is fascinating in light of what it says in this plan of redemption. Plan of redemption. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 21, and I don't have time to read the whole context, but it's talking about uh, the creation being liberated from the bondage because when sin entered the world and Adam and Eve sinned and sin passed upon the world of humanity because now all their children and descendants would be, would be conceived in sin. That's why you don't teach a child to do bad. He naturally does bad. But not only did humanity suffer, all creation suffered. God cursed the creation. And so Romans tells us, verse 21, the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. And Romans 8, if you read the whole thing, you know who the children of God are. They're the ones who put their faith in the Messiah. We know the whole creation, verse 22, has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Groaning, waiting, longing for God to bring about the fulfillment of the plan. I think I've said enough about that. Now we know why John's weeping so hard and so long. But wait a minute. Let's think about this a little deeper. John is weeping. I'm talking about John, the apostle. Right? He's one of the privileged 12 handpicked by Jesus. Jesus prays all night and go picks these guys and designates them apostles. They travel with him for three years. They witness all the miracles. They get personal tutoring when, when, when they don't understand something, you know, except a few times when they were afraid to ask him about it. He gives them private lessons of what he's saying and what he means. They're perplexed when he goes to the cross, but everything changed when he resurrected and appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. This is John, an apostle. Not only did he have the privilege to be with Jesus for three years, witness his resurrection, be there when he ascended back up into heaven, but now here on the island of Patmos, Revelation chapter 1, he sees the resurrected Jesus glorified. And so doesn't it cause us to think and ask why would somebody like John be weeping so hard and so long? And you'll be surprised, I bet, that I have some thoughts on that. (laughs) He knows enough about what's in the scroll that he weeps. Where was he when he got raptured? Patmos. Why was he there? Oh, let me just go back and remind us why he was there. Revelation chapter 1 tells us, Revelation chapter 1 verse 9, he says, I, John, your companion and brother in the suffering 
and kingdom, suffering and kingdom, suffering and kingdom. He's talking about being a person of the kingdom in this life because being a person of the kingdom when the plan is totally fulfilled, there's no suffering. In the suffering and kingdom and, oh, here it is, and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. Was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He was banished to Patmos. Don't forget this. We covered this in the opening in our study of book, the book of Revelation. Domitian banished him because after trying to boil the dude in oil and God miraculously allowed him to survive, Domitian didn't know what else to do. He couldn't kill the guy, so he said, I'll take him and I'll send him to the Alcatraz of the ancient world, the best prison the most notorious prisoners went to. That's where Domitian sent John. He is there. He is an aged saint. And he is suffering because of his faithfulness to Jesus. And he gets raptured out of there in the spirit and sees this glorious thing. The throne of God, the ancient of days. And then he sees in chapter 5 this scroll and seven seals. Who is worthy to open the scroll? He knows enough of what's in the scroll that he's going, yeah, somebody open it. Let's finish this thing and I don't have to go back to Patmos. But he weeps long and hard because for whatever period of time while he's weeping, nothing is happening. The father's sitting on the throne. He's on the throne. He's in control. He could do something, but he's not doing anything. And so John continues to weep and wait. And thank God for John. We have verse 5. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. (laughs) See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, is triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slayed. The word is a strong Greek word, butchered. We know who this is. This is none other. And Jesus, he's standing in the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns, ultimate authority. He had seven eyes, ultimate scrutiny, which are the seven spirits, sevenfold spirit of God sent out into all the earth. He came and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb because he's equal with the ancient of days. They worship him. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense. What's the incense? We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to speculate, which are the prayers of the saints. Pause with me there a minute. The incense, the prayers of the saints. And in the fulfillment of God's plan, ultimately, every prayer, every desire, In the will of God, every prayer in the will of God that up to this point has not been fulfilled will be fulfilled. And that's reason to sing. And so they do. (laughs) And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth.
As you continue to study the book of Revelation, you'll see destruction and death, but also the incredible future that awaits you if you're a follower of Jesus. The pictures painted of the throne room of heaven are inspiring and exciting, and you will one day get to stand where John stood. You'll meet the Lamb of God, who took away your sins. You'll rejoice with the angels and spend eternity getting to know your Creator as He always intended, in perfect love. This is something to cling to as you move through the difficulties of life. Knowing that you have a new home waiting in heaven can also be the catalyst to move you to share the good news of grace with others. They can also have a chance to live eternally with Jesus, and they might just be waiting for someone to introduce them. We hope today's message on the Living Word has been a blessing to you, and we'd like to tell you how you can access more teachings from Pastor Danny. All you need to do is visit our website, ccfstpete.church. Click on Sermons to be directed to our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way, you'll never miss a new edition of The Living Word. Are you listening in the St. Petersburg area right now? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. Once more, that website is ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on The Living Word.